to the It'll Buff Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Grachowski, CEO and founder of Five and Fly LLC. What if I told you there's no set path on separating from the Army? If you are an active duty Army officer seeking to separate from the Army in the next 18 to 12 months, here's the deal. Stay tuned. The fact of the matter is, people out there are going to tell you that there's a set path to go on, whether that's pursuing an MBA or pursuing a certain internship path. There isn't. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You can write your own path. You just need to be able to filter through the noise. This podcast is going to provide you with interviews, one-on-ones, and personal experiences that help you create an azimuth to guide you on the path of separating from the Army. This isn't going to have all the answers, but it's going to help point you in the right direction. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for tuning in. It'll buff. All right, welcome to this episode of the It'll Buff Podcast. I'm your host, CEO and founder of Five and Fly LLC. And today we have with us Chris Carnegie. Man, it goes way back with Chris. We went to the prep school, then we went to the academy, we played football together. Uh, we encountered a lot of each other at the academy. Now, when we went to the military, um, it was unfortunate we didn't cross paths, but uh, I'm very fond of Chris and he is just an awesome person to have on this podcast. And, um, so again, he's a, he's a sick, he's a 16 useman grad. Um, and he actually just finished his internship and transition process out of the military. And so we're going to dive into that, but Chris, without further ado, just go ahead and introduce yourself and then, uh, we'll hop right in. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate it, Dan. Uh, a pleasure to be on here and, uh, Absolutely would not miss opportunity to share something I learned uh, uh, with what you got going on. It's definitely important. Um, but yeah, like, like Dan was saying, uh, 16 grad, uh, played football at the academy. And uh, I guess I, I kind of could start there with my story, right? Um, I, I majored in pre-med with a focus of computer science um, because I, I had a bit of an identity issue at the academy. You know, I came in, recruited division one football player. Football was my life. That's all I wanted to do, you know? Uh, but there's also another side of me that very much so wanted to be uh, the scholarly gentleman, you know, uh, the the reserve kind of uh, in the books kind of guy. Uh, and uh, I could definitely say football one, you know, I focused much more on football than I did really academics. Uh, but thankful enough to to made it through the academy successfully. Uh, we're not going to share GPA, but uh, I graduated. <laughs> That's <right>? okay. That's <laughs> okay. That doesn't matter anymore. Now it doesn't matter anymore. It's all, it's all in the background now. Sure. It really doesn't. And, uh, it's kind of why I wanted to start there. Um, so commissioned 16 as an artillery officer. Um, Fort Bragg was my first duty station. Uh, I was a FSO, uh, PL, um, and XO for a little bit during my two uh, two years at the 82nd. Um, then sure enough, you know, HRC comes a knocking and uh, got the got the letter to go to Fort Sill uh, for basic training. Um, and it wasn't a it wasn't a sexy assignment. It wasn't you know what I thought I would be doing in the military, um, but orders are order, so I picked up and moved and um, fell into a phenomenal opportunity. Um, became the HHB uh, XO for the brigade. Uh, so really a lot of project management, uh, facility maintenance type of stuff. And uh, it really took me off of the front line and taught me how to, how to lead from a little bit more of a distance, you know, um, kind of showed me the business side of the house. Uh, I was doing contracting, uh, logistics, uh, like legitimate logistics, not the standard PL type stuff. Uh, and uh, it's it, not it, just it, beans it just and bullets. Opened, right. Uh, yeah, a lot more contracting. And there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and, and it really expanded my scope. 
Um, and it, it kind of made me really start questioning what is it I wanted, uh, you know, to, to be 100% transparent. Uh, I wanted to be on the front line, jumping on the planes, blowing stuff up. And, you know, the Army telling me to to not do that and kind of take a seat on the bench. So I felt uh, kind of made me realize that, it, you know, I should start seeking the opportunities that really, you know, get me going and ignite the flame in my heart. So um, made that I, I made the decision to start transitioning. Um, and so uh, officially transitioned to uh, October of 2022. Um, I'll get back into the, the actual transition story there, but uh, that's kind of my army timeline there. Uh, yeah. So Dude, that's let's let, let's let's like kind of pause right there because sure. um, I, I don't know if you remember Daryl Bishop. Uh, he went I to the president, and uh, so I had him on, and we actually got into this uh, like on, on that podcast episode. We we dove into the fact that there's this. If you're thinking, even if you're thinking about transitioning out of the military, there's this little hidden kept secret that is going back to Fort Sill and participating in this business side of the house or a recruiting, uh, not a recruiting, a a basic training uh, company or things of that nature. And so you have this opportunity, right? At the time, to your point, it didn't seem like an opportunity. You're like, why? I thought when I left... Fort Sill, uh, you know, or to go to, to Fort Bragg, I was never coming back. That's not part of the yeah. game plan. And here I am on my way back. And so, uh, you know, before we go into the transition a little bit more, let's, I, I just kind of want to, you, you mentioned this idea of learning the business side of the house. And I think that's really important. And so, um, yeah, just kind of talk about what that looked like and how, as people get that, those orders that come across their, their desktop, right. That they don't just look at it as like, Oh crap, this is the end of my career. Instead of having it again, turning into this, you know, opportunity that you're talking about. Sure. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, for me, it was, I was, I was in the Kool-Aid of the 82nd, you know, I was jumping out of planes, blowing stuff up the high speed on the ground type of thing. Uh, I was absolutely loving it. And, uh, as a younger individual, you know, that I had the energy to do it. And I, that's really, really where I wanted to be. Um, but going to SIL, uh, going to the business side of the house gave me the, the, the break away from the front line that I absolutely needed to get back to my identity. Right. So, um, when you think about a lot of times why people even choose to go to West Point, right. But to be frank, right. A lot of people see it as it's an opportunity. I go into the military, even if I don't really care about the military too much, uh, but it's a great opportunity to get a great education on my app the premier leadership development um, and then is going to set me up for success later in life. Right? Uh, I, I personally feel like not many people necessarily go to West Point dreaming of a career, um, but more so kind of this ability and the development that, that really comes from it. Um, and that's really what the transition back to SIL um, got me back to realizing, that, okay, cool. I'm back onto my original plan of, I, I always really intended on doing five and fly, but I was, I was in the Kool-Aid, you know, so I was dreaming of a career uh, in the military. Um, but I'm not saying that to say, um, you know, it, it turned me off to the military. It, it opened up my eyes to the, the beast that the army really is. Um, like there are so many niches in the military that are not, you know, the ground and pound in the dirt. I know a lot of folks don't necessarily care, care for the field time, being away from family and all that. Uh, there are definitely some niches that, give you that time back for the family um, and start, you know, developing you in ways that, you know, our civilian counterparts um, really have. And uh, 
So I would say that going back to, to Sill, um, snapped me out of the Kool-Aid, if you will. Um, and it, it got me back on track to who I, I really truly wanted to be, um, you know, having an impact, uh, on business decisions, you know, allowing my personality to really build relationships while all that was important and effective as a, a platoon leader or FSO, you know, and leading troops, um, I really wanted to drive business a little bit more in that sense. Um, and it was a great opportunity development opportunity in that sense. Uh, I was working with um, probably civilians. You know, I was the liaison for green suitors with our civilian contractors on and off post. Um, I was ordering big boy orders, you know, uh, with a budget, um, taking them out to bids uh, on the civil market. And um, definitely, definitely got a lot of development there. And uh, really, that's what triggered me um, to to want to step away from the army because. That's what I enjoyed most doing. Um, I enjoy being soldiers. Um, I love being in a fight. Um, but the truth of the matter is, right, it's not forever. It's not for me for forever. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity. You know, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't recommend to anybody, you know, making a decision at the first duty station, right, because you can go anywhere in the Army. Um, right? There's so many opportunities. The Army is completely self-functional, uh, self-sufficient, you know, so – Whatever it is you think you want to do in the uh, outside the military, you know, look in the military and you might find an opportunity. Um, and if not, it's okay to step away. You know, uh, especially right now, recruiting is, is down and retention is on a huge campaign to keep people, you know, uh, keep people in. But you know, you got to stay true to yourself. And I really felt like that's what came down to my decision is I had to get back to myself what what I truly wanted to do. Man, thanks thanks for diving into that. I think that's so true. I think that's so important of continuing to keep this identity of who you are and what you're doing. And because the army is really good, right? There's this, especially playing football and being on a sports team and doing stuff together and fighting together to win football games. And you go back and you get the coveted platoon leadership, right? And you're out there just slinging, slinging rounds down range and you're out there in the mud and the, and the yuck. And, And even for somebody like myself who had a family for a minute, while you're out in the field, you kind of forget about that a little bit and you start to just, yeah. you get to have this false sense of reality of, you know, as they call it, being with the Joes. And, um, and it's really cool to hear how that mentality brought you back because I think, especially as veterans transition out of the military, identity is key to how we operate and carry ourselves in the civilian world, not only for ourselves, but also painting the path for those that come behind us. And so it's really cool to hear how that happened. Um, And I just hope that a lot of people listening to this episode really key in on that, that at the end of the day, as much as we love fighting and doing all the high speed stuff, there is a business side to things. And even, even if to your point, you want to stay in the military for 20 years, 25, 30 years, if you're fortunate enough to make it to that point, there still is going to come a day where you have to get out of the military and you're going to have to go work in the corporate world and how you use those experiences in the military help shape that. So that's an awesome point, but yeah, let's just continue to dive back into, you know, this, this transition journey that it sounds like you're, you're about to dive into. Yeah. So, uh, 2022 came around, you know, I made the decision to uh, transition out. And um, unlike most people, I actually opted for the six month. I wanted, I, I was done. You know, I, I wanted the shortest time frame possible, um, which in hindsight probably wasn't the, the best answer for me. Um, right. But if this serves as a, a beacon for anyone, right, it is possible. Um, you just got to be ready to work. Um, 
So anyways, got to pack it in, got it approved uh, through belaboring conversations, uh, people telling me otherwise, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, everyone's going to have that conversation when they go get their brigade commander to sign their packet. Um, you know, it's it's you, you should listen to those conversations, you know, uh, because if anything, they're going to highlight a, lo- a lot of things about you that you may not have otherwise been able to find. Right. So, you know, whether you use that to decide to stay or actually continue forward, right. Uh, pay attention to that feedback because it is important. Um, a lot of things that you just simply don't see. Uh, anyway, so yeah, but I ended up uh, trying to do it alone too, you know, um, successful captain, phenomenal OERs through my career up to this point. Um, you know, I'm kind of on the groove, right. You know, I, things are moving properly around right? taking the steps uh, in the direction I want to go. Um, and I initially wanted to be a financial advisor. You know, um, I had been on the market for years, um, studying self-taught a lot of things. And, uh, that was very similar to the life that I thought I wanted to live. Um, and so I pursued that route, started applying late, uh, believe it or not, I waited until, uh, terminal leave to really start applying again. Man, if this is a warning to anybody, applications take way longer, <laughs> way longer than anyone leads you to believe. Man, um, I still haven't heard back from some of the applications I submitted. Um, I, I'm laughing because I uh, basically I submitted an application. You know, like I said, I, I got it out. I, uh, I started my internship in January of 2021, and I found out that I wasn't initially going to get hired at the company I was interning at in. April. So I immediately started slinging applications out and it wasn't till November. I sent, I remember I sent it to BAE for a program management job and it wasn't until November. So that's like what, six, seven months later, they're like, yeah. Hey, uh, we're not going to move forward with you. I was like, uh, well, it's, I mean, thanks, but no <laughs> thanks. <laughs> that's a great point. That's so true. Yeah. Uh, so to anyone listening, if, if you're within that six month period, period, uh, now is probably the right time, you know, um, so I waited to terminal leave, which was roughly July. Um, official separation was one October. Um, so I go on terminal leave. I give myself seven days to try to decompress. You know, I, I sprinted through the finish line. So gave myself a week to try to relax, get my mind thoughts straight. And uh, it only took a week before I started going crazy. Uh, applications have been submitted and I'm getting a little bit of movement, not nearly as much as I thought I would have. Uh, so the panic sets, right? So... Uh, everyone, it's going to happen. The panic is going to set in. Don't worry. Just be calm. It's going to be okay. Um, and so uh, two weeks after leave, I finally get a, a hit with uh, Morgan Stanley. Actually, uh, I'll be frank here. I try to keep it hush-hush on a social media post, but I'll share it here. Um, finally get, it, uh, get a hit with Morgan Stanley. And in my head, I'm like, yep, Perfect. All I need is a conversation. You know, I'll, I'll make it through. Um, top firm in the industry is exactly where I want to be. And uh, I worked my way through this interview process as a financial advisor associate um, with Morgan Stanley and go through seven different interviews. Case interviews, which is a completely different topic, uh, role-playing scenarios, all the above. And uh, ultimately, we got to the offer, and they ended up offering me a position that was one step below financial advisor and it was in phoenix arizona they were barely paying to keep the lights on um and i had zero impact on my compensation for the next three to five years right so it's one thing coming out of the military right we're actually paid really well as officers um right let's not front about that 
Um, knowing I was going to take a pay cut, uh, this literally cut my pay in half in a more expensive location. And I had zero impact on my compensation for the next three to five years. And it, it was, it was tough, you know, um, because this was a top firm in the industry, right? It was going to be phenomenal for my career. Uh, but it, 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 it felt like a really uh, a wrong decision in the sense of the numbers were making sense. Um, I wasn't going to be living the life I wanted to for the three, next three years, even though I knew I was going to have to grind wherever I go. Um, and then it really, I just, I just didn't feel the cultural fit, you know, um, it, it, the haze or the, the cutting your teeth at the bottom felt a little different for me. Um, and it completely shattered my mind, you know, uh, shattered my heart, uh, because now here I am a month and a half, nearly two months into my, my time to leave and my paycheck is about to stop here shortly. Right. Um, thankfully I had some money saved up, so I was going to be okay, but my lease was ending. I wasn't going to sign up for another lease to be stuck in law. Um, uh, you know, and, and things just really started coming crashing down for me at the time, but, um, I, I wasn't going to sell myself short and just jump on any opportunity. Um, so I had to, I had to scramble a little bit, um, called my parents, uh, told them to start making preparations for me to possibly come home. <laughs> and uh, they didn't love that idea, but, you know, thankful. Uh, I'm blessed and highly favored that my parents are still around and were willing to support me because uh, they understood what I was going through. Um, but then uh, I, I jumped on with a, a recruiting firm, a JMO recruiting firm. And, man, I, I was highly skeptical of recruiting firms, you know, throughout my time in the military. Because um, they they hit you as soon as you you come into the force, right? They they start messaging you on LinkedIn, Facebook, however they start contacting you, and uh, you kind of neglect it because you don't think you're ever going to need it um, until you need it. Um, and I I highly recommend people uh, to talk to Dan, right? What Five and Fly is trying to do, right? It it is teaching you how to transition properly. Because I went through SFL tap, I, I did all that stuff, and sure it. it it taught me some things, but really it was a check the box for the, for the military to say, Hey, look, we did train this person on this. So that way they're no longer liable for um, the, the worst case scenario, if it were to occur. Uh, and I uh, went through the hiring conference um, and I had a very successful conference um, interviewed with 11 different companies and moved forward with seven of them. Um, took seven different uh, visits to these companies and, why, that, why that's important is because I, I thought I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be on financial services as a financial advisor. And these other opportunities were not that at all. Um, and initially, like, I wasn't necessarily very excited about it. But once I got to learn more about the company, I got to see the day-to-day life. Right? Um, it, it excited me because I was wrong in what I really wanted. You know, I, I thought it was this one career that I wanted, but really it was the, the lifestyle that I want. You know, it was the, it was the, freedom the job freedom right you know i can go out and you know uh interface with clients or customers uh, on a daily basis right i can live life and that be considered my job right um and that's really what i was seeking and uh, um i ended up getting a role with avid as a sales representative in the kc area um and you know it, it's everything i ever dreamt up and kind of tying it back to how i, I started this story um, I didn't have the best grades coming out of the academy. Um, I was pre-made computer science major trying to make my own biomedical engineering degree. And right, it, it was very relieving in a sense of a lot of these companies are looking for leadership, right? The, the, the soft skills that take years to develop, right? And that's what makes 
uh, junior military officers and, and really anyone in the military, um, highly, highly uh, favorable for these companies because they don't have years to train people up. They could teach you the job, but they can't teach you how to interface with other people, how to speak respectfully, how to, um, you know, push back or lead upwards, if you will. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I'm very fortunate in the sense of, you know, I, I wasn't working in a biomedical engineering field for years, um, but I had a bit of a background. I showed my competency and ability to learn, um, but really the, the soft skills are what got me the job. Um, they, they can teach me the other bit. And so far I'm, I'm on day three now. I'm still onboarding, but I love every bit of it. You know, uh, everything I was looking for is right here and everything I was taught in the military, I'm able to bring to the table and be effective. So absolutely best decision of my life. Man. Well, first off, I want to thank you for the absolute transparency. I know it's hard to talk about, you know, quote unquote, some people might think of these as failures or things where they messed up or, you know, and just really anything negative about that whole process. And what I like to remind people of, again, to those people out there listening to this, I went through the same thing. I was supposed – my ETS date getting out of the Army was June 3rd, 2021. Um, and I finished my internship like May 1st, 2021. So I had – basically, so from May 1st, 2021 to September 20th, 2021, I was jobless. And again, to Chris's point, I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to go it alone. And I'm, and I got bumped and bruised along the way. And so I know exactly, you know, that hole that you can go down. And so again, again, Chris, thanks so much for sharing that. And I think one of the things that I want to dive into that you mentioned in the beginning of this kind of sharing your story is this go it, go it alone mentality. Um, and I just kind of want to talk about, you know, maybe if you can kind of dive in more to what your thought process was behind that or, or how, you know, you shaped your mind to make that decision of I'm going to go and do this thing on my own, knowing how hard it is to, well, obviously, you know, how hard it is now on the back end to, to land a job, yeah. and you know, right. Hindsight's 2020, but in that be, in that foreground of, okay, I'm going to do this alone. Yeah. just kind of walk through, you know, what shaped that mentality. Sure. And, um, it's, I, I know, I know everybody's experiencing it. Um, because what, what we do is particularly as officers in the military, right? We're immediately responsible for, for upwards of 40 plus lives, right? Every decision we make is directly impacting the lives of someone else. Um, and we, we start getting into a rhythm, right? Of, Hey, like this is just my lifestyle, and not to say that it becomes second thought, but it, this becomes your reality. Of yeah, like I'm the one who makes decisions that impacts other people's lives, right? Um, and as you start having a successful career, um, you start realizing that you're able to figure some things out, right? Um, you don't need much guidance. You don't need anyone to hold your hand, uh, and you can figure things out, right? Obviously, we're still sticking mentorship. We're always learning, right? That's the humility piece of it that we're, we're conscious of and, and try to keep in the forefront. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, especially in this time where you're trying to sell yourself, right? Uh, you're trying to go out and uh, really sell yourself to these other companies. It, the arrogance can really start creeping in. The ego can really start creeping in, you know. Um, and I, I, I caution anyone transitioning, um, you know, listen to that voice and make sure that you're keeping it in check. Because uh, even though I was having success and I was capable of going it alone, uh, it, it's not the proper transition, you know. Um, because organizations like Five and Fly have gone through it, 
Um, they can act as, you know, sounding boards of mentorship. Um, and typically there's a, there's a relationship with these other companies that understand the actual value of a JMO that you may not other find, otherwise find when you're just submitting an application in the pool of the rest of the applicants. Um, and all that, you know, was, was part of the, the, the transition learning. Um, so I, I think the, the, when you're passionate about your job as a military officer um, and you understand the severity of every decision that you make, um, a level of confidence starts creeping on you. And you know, we have to be cautious of that to make sure that it doesn't turn to arrogance. Um, and, and I'm not saying it's arrogant to think that you can do it alone um, because you can't, right? Uh, but there are de- definitely a lot of pitfalls that aren't readily apparent, that aren't taught in SFL tap, um, that your your peers may briefly mention, but if they've been out for some years, you know, they're, they're not necessarily keen on um, what it's actually like day to day, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I would just absolutely say the the severity of the job of a military officer and, you know, my, my success compounding over the years, um, uh, made me think that I was not untouchable, but I can go find a job, you know, um, but the fact of the matter is you can find a job, but is it a, a good career choice? And it's one of the biggest choices we can make right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've said this before, but this is why I love having, having these conversations with people because at the end of the day, you know, I couldn't have said that any better myself. And that's so true, you know, and I even went as far back as to getting recruited to play football at West Point. One of their recruiting pitches or propaganda, if you will, is come play football at West Point, go join the army. And if you went out of the army, people are going to want to hire you because you play football at West Point and you were in the army. And they just, you, you start to build this ego about yourself. And to your point, right? Like you can call it arrogance. You can, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but it's just what we're fed and it's what we know. And then especially when you're having a successful career in the military as well. And I think that's what a lot, there's a pitfall for a lot of officers in the military. It's like, Oh, well this, I'm getting, you know, highest, highest ratings on all of my officer evaluation reports. Well, let's just go take this to the civilian world because this is too easy. Or, you you know, there's like, there's all these different mentalities that pop into your mind as you think about transitioning out of the military. And then you get out of the military and you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, now wait a minute, you know, where, who, nobody told me about this, right? It just, everybody seems it's just like gumdrops and, 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 you know, rainbows and gumdrops, you know? And so I think that's, that's such a great point. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, I, I very much am an even kill kind of person. I don't allow myself to get too high or too low, but man, there are definitely some low nights uh, during my transition. Uh, you know, application denial after application denial. And I just knew if I could just have a conversation, right, I'd be able to land it. And, and I think it's true for anyone transitioning. Um, and once you get into that conversation, you absolutely can land it. But the, the hardest part is getting to that conversation. Um, and then you need to make sure that you're having a conversation with the right people who actually understand, you know, what you're explaining with your resume. Uh, because that, that's another bit of it, right? Your, your resume reads operations management. And I know a lot of the folks that I know who transition out, they don't necessarily want to go into operations management, you know. Um, but then again, how do you translate a uh, fire support officer, right? I can say I was a, a liaison for a maneuver company and I, I coordinated uh, indirect fire assets, but like, what does that mean in the, in the civilian world, you know? Um, and so even if you do get to the conversations, you know, uh, it, it's tough to make that translation. Uh, it's tough to make that connection. How about this? I even uh, interviewed with a veteran uh, when I was interviewing Morgan Stanley, you know, and 
he had gotten out, you know, 20 something years ago. And uh, he's a veteran. I'm not going to knock that at all. But, you know, a lot of it, he's just working off of what he thinks or what he thinks he remembers from 20 years ago, you know? So it's, uh, there are so many variables and factors that go into, uh, you know, really giving our value proposition to these companies. And uh, some of them do really understand it. You know, they, they, they truly do understand it, but uh, it's tough to get into those right venues to have those right conversations. Yeah, that's so true. It, it is hard. And as somebody, again, who experienced rejection after rejection and, uh, you know, again, I, there's another point you're talking about in there of this idea of starting to a- apply right as your terminal leave starts. And, you know, to you folks out there listening who have that same mentality, it, it takes some time to click. You got to find your voice. You got to figure out what industry and you got to figure out all these things. And generally what happens is you start to cast such a broad net because you're like, well, at this point, I'll take anything, you know, I I just want to make sure I have a job so I can keep living the lifestyle that I have. And, and then we'll kind of figure the rest out as it goes along. And, you know, so you just, that's, that's another thing. And it just, it takes a long time to figure this out. And, you know, especially as somebody who went through that, I experienced a ton of just a ton of rejection when it comes to applications and you start to really kind of doubt yourself and you're, you know, I I mentioned this in the pilot episode, you're, okay, well, I just submitted my, like, maybe I can go to recruiting station and come back as like a warrant officer or something, right? Like maybe they'll, maybe they'll accept me back or, you know, you kind of start to go down that road, but it's so true. And and that's just another, another reason to your point, right? Of like these low nights and these low times. Uh, that's another reason why I'm starting this, this, this company and this podcast is because I just remembered being out just being out in that wilderness of this zone of failure and thinking to myself, you know, like, man, if I just could listen to a conversation where somebody was experiencing what I'm experiencing right now and just, you know, telling me that it's going to be okay. You know what? Even though it's not directly right. It's not in a mentorship manner. It's, Hey, this guy went jobless for three months, but he ended up finding a job. Okay. That's good to hear. You know, I, I, that's good to know. I can, I can figure this out. And so that, yeah, that's another point. And, and another thing I want to get into too, that you, you started to dive into is this mentality of you, you, you are so correct when it comes to writing their resume, you know, you can doctor it up and get it as, as to civilian as possible, right? To your point, operations management. Another thing that a lot of officers are really good at is project management. And you, you can have these, you know, as like lead project manager handling these, uh, these, you know, key deliverables with these key stakeholders on this critical path, executing time, you know, shortening this timeline by this amount of time, right? Like you you could do that all day, but there's still certain things where people, again, right? Usually it's like fire support officer, project manager, you know, it's, you kind of like, it's just people still look at it and kind of like, ah, you know, like, or to your part, right? It's like veterans are unfortunately painted in this light of uh, crazy gun happy killers, you know, and that's not even remotely true. And to your point, what we should be known for, and again, something that I want to keep reiterating is these soft skills, right? Leadership under pressure, caring for your subordinates, right? Like we all have HR metrics. We all had to make sure all of our soldiers had, you know, they were getting paid. Their kids were getting cared for. They had childcare. Their spouses were getting cared for. All these things that like, that's a huge part that a lot of people forget to talk about. It's like, Hey, you think I was this destroying robot? No, I actually cared about 40 people 
in their families and made sure that they got home safe at night. And so that's, that's another thing too, that people forget about to even just mention. And to your point, exactly. It's all about getting into the right room and talking to the right people. And we've talked about this before and there's, there's a power behind networking. Um, and we won't dive into that because I know I've hit it a few times. Um, but you know, again, that that's another key factor, right? The resume helps paint the picture of who you are. Network gets you into the party and then, you know, you keep yourself in the party by getting into that resume, which I am highly confident there's a lot of people out there to Chris's point. Once you get in that resume, we can sell ourselves because of just who we are and, and our ability as officers. But it's just getting to that point. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, man, you just explained my last six months beautifully. Uh, I, I told myself, look, I'm, I'm going to end up at Target because they pick 15 hours. I'll make ends meet. You know what I mean? I can still submit applications, have interviews and so on and so on until I find the right place. And, you know, that it, the, 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 the mental health really starts taking a hit. You know, uh, the self-doubt really starts creeping in and you, you just got to stay calm and, and stay focused, you know, um, stay diligent because it, that's not the right way to transition. You know, you just go pick up some jobs to make ends meet. If you have to, you have to uh, but start early, you know, um, start having conversations, start networking because uh, it's so important. Um, yeah, man, it, I, I haven't even fully fully settled and uh, thought through everything I just went through because it is such a whirlwind, you know, um, and, and, and it's, I'm not saying any of this to scare anybody. Right. Um, but it, it is important, um, you know, because these are the decisions that you're making that are going to impact the, the rest of your life. Um, and, it, you know, you, you mentioned how veterans are painted uh, as, as killers and it's very much so the case, you know, the one of the questions that I was asked in just about every interview was, um, how, how do you think you'll be able to lead uh, without a, a rank structure? And it, it, it caught me off guard every time. It was almost offensive. It was just like, I, I didn't use rank to lead, you know, uh, mm -hmm. rank was important for, you know, positioning, right. Uh, when we got to the legal aspect of things as well. Um, but you know, now you're asking how was I able to manage in a rank structure? You weren't asking how to lead, you know, cause leadership doesn't use rank. Um, and that's a fun question to, to navigate and come up with a positive answer, you know, and coming up with examples of how rank, you know, worked, worked against you, you know, because that's one of the biggest concerns. Uh, these corporate companies, yeah, they have an organizational structure. They don't have a rank structure. Um, and so that, that's one of the biggest things is how can you as a veteran um, come out and not work within a rank structure? Um, mm. It's a very similar situation. You know, you might be leading someone who's got twice as many years in the industry as you, and you're expected to, to lead them, right? Uh, it's the same situation. And it, it, the sooner we can acknowledge those things um, and, and practice the conversation, right, and really embody it and, and make it a part of us, uh, you know, the, the, the better a transition will be and the more effective we will be in, a, in the corporate world. Man, it, it's a fun time. It, it, it was looking back on it, man. It, it was really fun. Um, terrifying at times, extremely emotional at times, bro. But it, it was, it was fun. Uh, and I love talking about it. I love telling the story because it's everyone's roller coaster is different, but everyone's got the same twists and turns, and it, it's it's also similar. That's man. That's such a that's such a true point in the fact. And I, you know, every every all my podcast episodes have the intro right and the question i asked is like what if i told you that no transition story is the same 
And it's not the, the fact of the matter is it isn't, it really isn't. And that is a trap too, that a lot of officers that follow behind people fall. That's like, okay, well, Chris Carnegie did this, right. And he did X, Y, and Z. So all I need to do is do X, Y, and Z and I'll be fine. Okay. Maybe, but you're not Chris <laughs> Carnegie, right? Like, yeah. sure. You know, it's like it, it, people and, and I, and I fell for that trap too. I had friends who were getting consultant jobs at Deloitte or getting jobs at Venmo or getting jobs at Apple, Google, Microsoft. And I'm looking around and it's like, well, I feel like I'm better than that guy, at least on paper, yeah. you know, yeah. and that may or may not be the case, but that was the mentality I had. And so I was like, well, what the heck is that guy doing that I'm not doing? You know, what does he do it differently? And then you kind of fall in a trap. Well, I'm going to do what he did. And it's like, well, you're not that person. And so I just want to encourage people out there that I'm not saying that don't take what Chris did and apply it to your transition, you know, path that you're going to take. But just remember, you are not Chris. You are not Daniel. You're not Ted or Susie or, you know, you know, Samantha or what you know, insert name here or person that's gone before you. You just aren't that person. And, uh, man, if I honestly, that was what I needed to hear when I was planning to transition out of the military is, Hey, you're not that guy that just got a job at Deloitte. You're not. And it's not that don't, don't take offense to that because it's, you know, you have what makes that guy awesome or girl awesome is great, but you have a totally different set of abilities and skills, um, and just a different personality that makes you great. And that might mean you get, you find yourself in a different industry. So Man, that's such a that's such a good point. Now, an, another thing I want to dive into um, is you mentioned this idea of SFL tap as just a check the box a thing to do, and I, you know, I try not to paint bad picture on anything or anybody, um, right? Because that's just unprofessional. But one of my goals it's it's a big I call it the the BHAG big hairy audacious goal that I have is building a transition program and I'm working on it right now that would replace SFL tap for officers in the army and potentially, you know, work with the government to replace that and be like, Hey, SFL tap for officers is borderline hot garbage. That again, I don't say that to be mean, but it, again, to your point is it helps paint the picture here and there of, Hey, these are some of the things you need to do, but it doesn't, even remotely set you up for success. Um, and so, you know, uh, and then to your point, that kind of led you into this um, maybe mentality of, again, it's something that you could go alone, but <clears throat> then you mentioned going to reaching out, you started, re you know, you weren't having the success that you wanted to have. And then you started reaching out to recruiting firms. And again, I was overwhelmed with those LinkedIn requests of, Hey, you know, come here and we got 50, you know, we got 1500 companies lined up waiting to give you an offer. Right. And you're like, yeah, whatever, dude. Um, but I'm interested because, you know, this is, you're really kind of one of the first people I've had people go through the hiring our heroes. I've had people do CSP and, and kind of paint their own path. You're really the first person that I've talked to that has, worked with a recruiting firm. And so I'm, I'm interested as to, you know, what my finally decided to, to, or what, what finally made you decide to say yes and start working with that firm. And, and, you know, again, I think uh, as JMOs come out of the military, we, we paint this bad picture for recruiting firm and uh, you know, to listeners out there, I would love to work with you. Um, if you want to work with me, no, that's fine, but I'm here for you and I'd love to work with you, but you know, what made you, yeah, just start to go down that path. Sure. Uh, I'll start with this. Um, if you're listening to this, you're on the right track. Talk to Dan. Uh, 
talk to Dan, uh, but I'll go ahead and back up. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, right? And I don't like talking negative on really anything or anybody, uh, but it, this point needs to be made, right? Um, and I, I 100% agree with you. SFO tab for office is not intended for officers because um, you go through, you know, how to build a resume. Uh, if you went through really any four-year university, you were taught how to build a resume, uh, potentially even in high school, right? So the resume is really not the hard part. You can find that on Google. Um, they, they teach you how to do an elevator pitch, right? Again, as an officer, successful officer who expects, you know, some success in a corporate world, you've had an elevator pitch, right? You've pitched an idea to a commander. Um, you understand how to talk to folks, to public speaking and whatnot. Um, and, and it's, it, it introduces you to everything. And I think that's where the, the box check comes in. And it, it's more so for, to, to lessen the liability, right? Um, it's it's not intended for officers by any means, right? Because the positions that we're applying for, right, are not entry level CDL. And and if that's what you want to do, like I'm not knocking that by any means. You know, it, it we absolutely need that that profession, right? Um, but it's safe to say, most officers aren't applying to be CDL drivers. You know, um, so yeah, it, that also added to that that ego of okay, cool. Like if this is what the army is presenting to me. Um, yeah, I've got that. I'm gonna knock that out the park, right? Cool. Let me go ahead and get to work. Um, and, and I hope you get that contract. I hope you can work out that program and figure that out because uh, we are failing in that de- in that department uh, for officers for sure. Um, why I decided to go with the re- recruiting firm? Um, if I could do it all again, I would talk to them as soon as I got my packet in. I will. As soon as I got my packet approved, stamped, sealed, delivered, cool. I'm with the recruiting firm um, because I went with the recruiting firm because I was literally five days away from working at Target just to keep some money coming in. You know what I mean? Um, I had some money saved up, but that was going to dry up, so I needed something to pat it. I, I was panicking. Um, and it, it really was a humbling moment when I went and had that success. Um, was even offered a job. And my core was telling me this isn't the position for you. And I made the tough decision to decline the offer, um, which I think it ultimately was the right choice because I wasn't stuck in a position that I was going to be kicking and scratching to leave um, in a few months. Um, And it it humbled me because I I needed help. Right. Um, There was something that I was missing. Right. Even though I was having success, I was able to have interviews. I can can speak intelligently about my career, um, presenting myself properly. But there, there was still something missing. And what the recruiting firm was able to provide me was a, a, a guideline, right? A step action to actually get into the conversation with the right company that I wanted to be with. Um, they provided me opportunities with other companies. Um, they knocked down all the, you know, preconceived ideas that I, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I, I knew what I wanted my life to look like. I didn't necessarily really know what I wanted to do. Right. And I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. It, it's tough to distinguish the two, you know, because um, the lifestyle of what you think you want to do very much so might be more accurate somewhere else, you know, and simply we, we don't know what we don't know. And, uh, you know, working with a recruiting firm made me realize that um, uh, I wouldn't say uh, they, they introduced me to many other companies, right? Um, many other opportunities that I originally wasn't open to. And it made me realize, hey, like my heart really is, is screaming to the healthcare. Right? It is screaming Abbott. It's uh, there's there's a book called Ikigai. It's a 
it's a Japanese uh, philosophy about, you know, finding what you love to do, what you can get paid for uh, and what the world needs. Right. And I was able to find that with what I'm doing now. Um, and, and really, that's what we're looking for as we're transitioning out, I, I believe. And um, I thought it was it was in financial services, but it wasn't. So the, the decision really was out of panic. It was out of fear. Um, it was out of regret of not reaching out sooner um, because my, my time was winding down. I was, I was running out of time. Uh, I was, I saw that I was going to quickly run out of money and, uh, I was going to end up in a, in a position that I wasn't happy with. Right. So, uh, at that point I might as well have stayed in the army, you know? Um, so yeah, it, 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 it blindsided me. Um, I highly recommend everyone start as soon as you get your packet approved, reach out. Um, you know, whether that be a year out, six months, wherever case may be, reach out early because it, it takes some time, you know? I um, mean, even if you're unsure, if you want to transition, um, start having conversations, right. Uh, the, the, the sooner you start the better um, but I, I can't speak to hiring our heroes and um, the other and other programs um, the 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 weird part about it for me was i i'm, I'm a workaholic right um i i drive myself into the dirt i wouldn't say the army drove me into dirt i allowed it myself to drive myself into the dirt um but because of that um, I didn't afford myself the opportunity to step away from the organization for a year or six months for an internship. You know, uh, I was arrogant enough to think that the unit needed me. Um, and look at me now, right. I'm transitioning out in the army doing just fine. Right. Um, and, and it's hard when you're in the fight, you know, you have great relationships with your NCOs, with your leaders. Um, you know, you're, you're impacting the organization. Uh, and despite the small little, you know, tidbits that you might get from leaders of, Oh, like we need you to do this. Oh, we need you to do that. And like they, like they're depending on you. The fact of the matter is, they're going to do just fine without you, right? So, it, you know, starting early, taking that year for an internship, I, I fell into the trap of the organization needed me, thinking the organization needed me, and I did not afford myself the proper opportunity to go that route. And that's how my route got very messy. Um, but you know, I, I'm very thankful that I was humble enough in the right amount of time to reach out for help. You know. Um, and uh, I'm so much better for it. Yeah. Th thanks for sharing that, Chris. I think <clears throat> I've, uh, I was fortunate um, a couple episodes ago to have a Colonel in the Marine Corps on the podcast. Right. So that's 30 years. He worked in special operations in the Marine Corps. Right. So this dude was really kind of the pinnacle standard of what an officer should be. Right. Went rose through the infantry ranks, held all different leadership positions, held some very coveted billets, and he, he said that same point, right? It, it, he's like, once you turn that packet in to say, I'm getting out of the military, or in his case, the military said, hey, thanks for your service, but uh, we kind of need you to get out, um, you know, for extenuating circumstances. And, you know, he's like, once that happens, they just stop caring about you. And I want to say this so people don't get jaded by the military. It's not out of they don't actually care about you. To Chris's point, they're this, there's this, they're this huge machine. And the the best way I can paint it is you are a one small cog in the machine that keeps that thing running. And once that piece comes out, they need to replace it 
not saying that you provide, I mean, you could provide that much value, but you know, they, they need to replace it. And so their sole focus comes on developing somebody else to fill in your shoes and replace you. And so it's not that they don't care about you from, you know, or maybe some of them don't, they're like, Oh, cool. You want to refat? And I know there are some commanders that have that mentality. Like, Oh, you want to refat? Well, I'm going to put you on all the crappy details, even though I know you're getting out. Like there is, that's, that is also an unfortunate truth. So depending on your organization, be prepared for that. But I, I think to that, you know, you you mentioned this, right? Starting a year out, really kind of the message that I want to paint for people as well is quite frankly, to me, where if I could go back and do it all over again, if at that 24 month mark, right? 30 to 24 month mark, once I was like, you know what? I kind of want to get out of the military, start networking, start getting on LinkedIn, start reaching out to people. Because if you think about it, if you make a solid connection at that two year mark with somebody who might just have gotten in a company two years down the road, they have created their own intra-company network and they can now be like, Hey, uh, Oh, you actually are getting out. Sweet. Hey, we actually have an open rec that's going to open up in four months. Like maybe we can get you an internship or get you on a hiring our heroes fellowship cohort. Um, and you can work for our company and it's just a shoe in. And so thinking about that, as you continue to process how, what it looks like for you to get out of the military and where you want to land, um, yeah. is, is extremely important. I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that. Yeah, no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, oftentimes we think the army is slow. No, the, the, that's how business works, right? Uh, the corporate world, while some things may be faster, it's, it's just as slow. You know, these, these things are, are a big deal. Um, and it, it takes time. You got to you got to start early, right? Uh, timing is everything. A lot of things have to fall into place for you to find that 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 job that you really call home. You know, uh, it, it's it takes effort. It takes time, but it, it's it can be scary. But it's not as long as you give yourself enough time and you do the due diligence ahead of time to get there. Uh, it, it can be extremely smooth. Um, it. it Again, man, it, it's a it's a roller coaster of a ride, but you know, uh, the, thankfully Dan is you know starting five and fly and getting things going, and it, it's going to be a phenomenal resource for everyone transitioning because it's 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 an important thing, and un- unfortunately the the conversation around it isn't necessarily proper uh, until the time necessitates it. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. No, I I get exactly what you're saying on that, and. You know, it's, it, man, that's so true. There, there's unfortunate, there's not enough good conversations going around it. And to your point, it is so interesting, even working, you know, I work at an artificial intelligence company. Um, and again, I never thought, like, I was a mechanical engineer. That was my background. And I thought, I, I was like, for me, I was like, I'm going to go work at Lockheed. I'm going to go work at Boeing, Raytheon, one of these awesome companies. Work, and then I'm going to go build planes, jets, whatever, or at least be on a project team that builds a specific part for that machine. Um, and then here I am working at a startup artificial intelligence company. And, you know, if you told me this is where I'm going to end up, I would have laughed at you because I would be like, first of all, what the heck even is artificial intelligence? And second <laughs> of all, like, you know, how do I even provide value to the team? But to Chris's point, uh, you know, I was unfortunate enough to have the time to set up an internship and go land with the company. And it's not that I fell in love with artificial intelligence. I fell in love with what the company was doing. And I began to recognize for all those people who are listening out there, a lot of people always want to go work, work at large organizations. And to Chris's point, if you think the military moves slow, large organizations move exponentially slower. I mean, we're working on yep. some contracts with some big companies and it is just taking forever for them to put a signature on a, you know, on a contract. It's like all parties agree, but for some reason it still takes four months to sign a 
dotted line. And but the cool thing about um, working at startup companies, especially you know one that I'm at, you know we're starting to go after super contracts working with the Air Force, and so. Now I'm in this company working with artificial intelligence where I can actually provide some value to, and I've learned a lot over the past year and a half about artificial intelligence and how it actually, you know, like people are like, oh, is Terminator coming? Guys, we're we're not even close to that. Just, you know, there are some really smart machines out there, but we're not close. At least I'm not tracking we're that close. Um, <laughs> and I feel like our, our tech is pretty, I mean, we're doing some awesome things at Worlds. And anyways, it's, but small, small businesses, they move a lot quicker, but it's even, you know, we're, we're an ad, everybody, like, that's like a key word these days, like agile project manager. I'm like, everybody's like, yeah, we move quick. I'm like, we call ourselves an agile company and we don't move that quick. Now we have, you know, we have standups every 24 hours and we're changing priorities, you know, every 24 hours. But as far as like actually moving, it's like, guys, we're, we're really not moving that yeah. much faster than anybody <laughs> yeah. else. And so, you know, I think it's just so funny that that's just such a great point when I, when I hear about kind of just, yeah, what we were talking about in, you know, the slowness of the corporate world. It's so funny. Yeah, man, it's a, uh, it's painful. And, you know, it's uh, the, the company I work with now, you know, they, they've been overnighting everything to kind of get me set up and started for onboarding. And then uh, I get told I have six months worth of training. I was just like, all right, cool. You know, it, it's the same old stuff, man. It, it is. It doesn't change. Like you said, large organizations move slow. Small organizations think they're moving fast because everyone there's a lot to do, right? Uh, but it's still going to move slow. Um, scheduling is is, <laughs> is becoming a nightmare, um, and it, it, it's a fun time. You know, it, there's a lot to be transferred from the military. Um, you know, things like a, a troop to task, right? Um, the the quarterly training briefs that you will have, you know, like all that stuff that we thought was super boring. Oh, it's months out. It's, you know, uh, I can worry about that when it comes, you know, that those are the things that, you know, one, we can bring to the table because we've been exposed to it, but two, uh, that's really the level that we need to be thinking on and focused on because that, that is, that is the time frame. So if, if you can put your transition into anything, start thinking of it as quarterly training briefs. All right, cool. By this, this quarter, we need to be at this point. We need to have these boxes checked, right? Give yourself ample time, right? And then every day, just start chipping away at it, right? And then when you look up a year later, you know um, things will have fallen into place. But yeah, you, you try to you try to <laughs> you try to jump the the whole crevice, you know, in one go. Uh, you're definitely gonna fall short, right? And you're probably gonna wish you had built a bridge starting some months ago, you know. Um, so yeah, it's what that that'll that'll preach, man. That'll preach. That's that's a really good <laughs> point. Uh, you know, and really kind of we'll hit on a few more things as we look to land this plane. Um, you know, one thing you talked about really is painting a picture for really the direction you want to go. And for those of you guys listening out there, if you're new, you, uh, you haven't heard me say this, if you, this is, you know, well, this is be episode eight. So this is your eight podcast listening. Um, I, if you go to five and fly.com, I have a, basically a, uh, transition preparedness, preparedness readiness survey on my website and it walks you through a sequence of questions of to give you a gauge as to okay i'm on the right track of preparing to separate or oh man i haven't even thought of these things and i need to take a step back and think about where i'm going and you and you mentioned the key thing and i i think for me it's kind of the moneymaker question not only on the survey but for people to ask themselves and to your point is you know you obviously you landed at abbott and you 
you didn't think you would land in a position like you did at Abbott, but you did and you're enjoying it. And so the one question that I try to ask people is, right, when you're getting out of the military and you're seeking to go into the corporate world and into the civilian life that we all covet while we're in the military, there's things that you need to consider. And right to your point, and a lot of that revolves around your job. And so what I do is I have people rank, uh, well, it's actually going to be six now because I had Nebula Bear on previously and uh, he gave me a sixth thing and I think it's great and that's role. But so basically deciding through uh, the company you want to work for, uh, work-life balance, autonomy at work. So meaning, you know, it's, you're kind of either you're, you're always in meetings or you're kind of just left alone to accomplish your, your job. Uh, the location that you want to work, that where you want to work, and then salary, and then that sixth one being role. Now, obviously, you found yourself at Abbott, and you know you're in the role that you're in. But I think you know if you could go back when you were getting out of the military, or yeah, really when you're seeking to transition, how do you think you would have ranked those, um, knowing what you know now? Wow, that is a a great question because. Um... I definitely started off with location primarily, you know, uh, I wanted to get back home to California, originally from Oakland, California. And, uh, I've been away from family for 11 years, you know, um, so many birthdays and big events, weddings, all that stuff that I missed. And I was just like, man, my heart is aching for family. I need to get back to the West coast. So that way I can, I can spend some time with them. Um, and that's still very much true. Right. I still want to get back home to, to, to be with family. Um, but also I'm in a position to where I have the autonomy to take the leave and, you know, go be with the family when I need to. Um, I also am going to be compensated fairly for my efforts. Right. So that way I can bring the family to me if I really want to, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I can, man, it's, it's tough to actually rank. So going back, I would definitely say location was important for me. Uh, but also just as important was uh, the the type of role because uh, biggest thing for me, right, it was every turn I make, made, um, it, it was a 50-50 shot if my personality was going to fit, you know, while I was in the military, right? So I wanted to be comfortable in who I am, you know, allow my personality to come out in my role um, and prove that I could still be just as effective as the other person who fits the, the cookie cutter mold, you know, in that position. Uh, so, oh man, all of them, you know, it, it, and it's tough, bro. And, and that's why I say, you know, identity is so important. You know, like you need to spend the time and really find out who you are and what makes you happy because, you know, sure, that, that compensation that you're seeking uh, is definitely possible. You probably could go get it, but are you going to be happy doing it? You know, uh, what, what is actually, like, how do we define value, right? What's the most valuable thing in our lives? And a lot of people say uh, the most valuable thing on the planet is, is money. That's so true. Well, okay. Like for me, like, yeah, I, I want to go make a lot of money. Sure. Um, but it's so that I can unlock the other things that are truly more important. Like spending time with family, uh, you know, traveling the world, seeing different things, uh, helping other people, you know, charitable type of endeavors. Uh, and if you don't know who you are, you're going to be in the same boat two, three years down the road, you know, because you're, you're going to logically force yourself into a position that, ultimately your heart's not happy with right so Mm -hmm. you definitely got to do some soul searching you got to do the the due diligence to find out who you are um and all those answers will will really answer themselves you know um 
Yeah, I would say that that's probably the toughest question I've been asked in the last few months. And I've been through some interviews. Uh, I, I don't think I can rack those in any particular order because they're all just as important. Um, and one of them may lo- unlock another. Uh, yeah. But the, definitely coming into it, I would say location was my biggest thing. I was sick of moving with the military or not having a say at least to where I was going to go uh, for any given time. And even if I did get where I wanted to go, I wasn't going to be there for very long, you know. Um, and then just this is strain on family, right? The the missing events because of whatever the case may be. Um, still very much so like that in corporate world. Like let's not kid ourselves, right? There's probably gonna be a huge conference or a meeting or something that you absolutely cannot miss, a, a customer account that you need to manage. And yeah, no, you're not gonna get PTO for that. Um, but in, in my in my eyes, right, the where I landed in the rollout I'm in, it provides me enough freedom to to get the things done that I wanna do. Uh, autonomy at work right I, I still have a direct report but again on a day-to-day basis no one's really telling me what to do um it's the it's the the clients and the patients that were taken care of that tell me what to do and i'm okay with that right because i'm passionate about helping other people in healthcare right so you got to consider right do you want your job as, or like the the career for that you're in that dictate you know when you have to work and what you're doing every day or do you want a boss to tell you um, what you're going to do every day because the fact of the matter is right that the autonomy that we are seeking of oh i can go do this or i can do that when and whenever well, let's not kid ourselves right that you're working a job you know what i mean and you need to go handle a business so if you're, if you're just looking for some free time and you're just looking to get paid some kind of way maybe you should be an influencer hey by all means <laughs> right right go, go do your thing but if you're going to be in corporate america something's going to dictate to you uh, what your day-to-day looks like and you need to find the right role as to what that's going to be, you know? Um, and maybe entrepreneur is the way to go because you actually do dictate what you have to do. But I think you can speak to this. You think <laughs> you're going to have autonomy, but you don't, you know, you got a business to build, right? So, oh man, that is, <laughs> that is the unfortunate, you know, it's so interesting. Right. And I, it's, it's so funny. You see on the news, right? All these people saying all these bad things about all these CEOs and founders of these companies, like, Oh, they make all this money and they don't care about anybody and this, that, and the other thing. And I mean, you know, I'm going to be transparent, right? Like the revenue stream for five and fly right now is $0 and zero cents. And this is all, this is all out of Daniel's free time and pockets. And, you know, and to your point, it is, so hard, right? Like, you know, and, and I, I, Chris, I'm so thankful that you came on this podcast in the evening. Um, but right. Like I can't, like I have an obligation to my company. So during work hours, I can't work on my own company. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's just who I am as a person. So I got to find time elsewhere. That's cutting into family time. Yeah. And and that's what people don't understand. Like how, when, when you're not making any money and you're working late nights and to your point, like you're sacrificing other things like that, that's, that's why I asked that question because it's so interesting. People sit there and they think they have it even before they've even, to your point, figured out who they are as a person. They're like, I want to go be a consultant at one of the big top consulting companies and I want to make $180,000 a year with $100,000 bonus on the line and make all this money. And then, but they're like, well, I also want to have work-life balance and be with my family. And then it's like, what they didn't realize is that to, in order to achieve that, you're still working 70, 80 hours a week and you still don't see your family. And it's like, yeah, oh, I hate my job kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, because <laughs> you didn't ask yourself, you know, and, and for me at working at World, small startup company, right? Like I, quite frankly, I don't make as much as my peers. However, the, the company culture is great. 
Work-life balance is unbelievable. Our company believes in family first, and we get the two weeks off surrounding Christmas and New Year's just off, right? So December 16th through January 3rd, we have off, right? Now, there might be a few client deliverables here and there that we might need to come together, but we do, we really try our hardest to not have anything happen during that time. And, you know, when I heard stuff like that, I was like, I'm all in. I don't, you know, again, I don't, now I have equity in the company and there's all that kind of down the road, but- that to me, I knew my most important thing. Well, I would say with two most important things were work-life balance and location. I knew I wanted to stay here in Austin because we have a really awesome community here that supports my wife and I because my family's still in Florida. To your point, Chris, my family's still far away. Um, yeah. We're trying to convince them to move to Austin. They're trying to convince us to move <laughs> yeah. back to Florida. And it's this constant struggle. And, uh, you know, it's like two rocks stuck in the ground. But that's why I asked that question because it really it's it's a hard question when you sit down and think about it. You're like, oh well, salary is important, but well, work life balance. And if you if you want that, sal- you know, it's just you really start to figure out, you know, you know what it takes to really make a decision. Now, uh, I, I got I have one last question. It could be a hard one. We kind of already worked through this, but I you know I think it's it's a question I like to end the podcast with. The previous question I used to ask is if you could go back and do it all over again. What would you do now, knowing what you know, to be more successful in your transition? And I thought that was a good question. But the new question that I was challenged with is, what was your why to separating out of the military? Um, Because, you know, Simon Sinek, I think he wrote the book, uh, Start With Why, right? Like, start with why. And I think, you know, to your point, a lot of what you said, a lot of it has to revolve around identity. But it's so important because... That's what gets you through the hard times. And to all you people out there listening, to all the people that have posted on LinkedIn and, oh, I did hire heroes and I got a job. I got a cohort with Dell or or Tesla or Google or you see these success stories. I landed at Deloitte, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's awesome. And that's great. But I'm telling you, even those people experienced crucibles and tribulations along that path. So, Chris, what is your why for separating from the military? That is, you know, um, it's an easy question, but it's also very hard um, because it's it's a bittersweet separation, uh, which I think most people have because I, I absolutely love my time in the Army uh, it, to include the lowest of lows, but I've also had the highest highs. Um, some of the relationships I've formed and built, man, I, I couldn't have asked for it on my best day. Uh, it's it, It's been an incredible journey. Um, and, and to not get into anything negative um i knew my personality and what i stood on what hills i was willing to die on um was going to get me into trouble later you know um and truth truth be told i I think me and army just really needed to part ways because uh the, the way i saw taking care of people wasn't the same way that the army necessarily saw taking care of people or at least a few individuals within the army um, and I'm not saying that I, I necessarily left the army permanently, you know, I'm still open to it. You know, the flag goes up, I, I'm coming right back, um, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I needed to find that opportunity that allowed me to be me. Like you said, it's the identity. Um, can I be proud in my skin with who I am, um, still have an impact on people and probably be compensated for outworking my peers. You know, um, my why was it 
can, can Chris be Chris and still achieve what Chris is able to achieve, you know? Hmm. Um, and there are many times in army where, uh, I feel like either some of Chris needed to be sacrificed or, um, I wasn't as successful, you know, because of, you know, various leaders in and out the, the organization. Uh, and, you know, no fault to their, to them. Um, it, it's maybe me not fully understanding, um, you know, what was expected of me or, you know, maybe I was doing it wrong or thinking about things wrong, but uh, my, my heart kind of told me that it was time, you know, uh, that I could have a larger impact somewhere else, uh, that my personality would have a, a, a larger impact somewhere else. And uh, yeah, I, I had to, I had to walk away, man. It, it, it was tough. It's very tough. And I wish I had a better way to explain it. Um, it's something that I'm probably still toiling with because, you know, I actually lived in the army the last 11 years of my life. Right. Um, but it, the writing was on the wall that, you know, I, I was going to run into a lot of hiccups and a lot of road bumps along the way that um, I, I was going to find myself in a, in a bad situation because of the hills I was willing to die on. Hmm. Uh, you know, Chris, you're saying you couldn't find a better way to explain it. And I honestly think that's perfect, man. I think the way you explain your why is absolutely perfect. There is no right or wrong answer to why you decided to get out of the military. Uh, the fact of the matter is that you did. Um, and now you are, you know, officially a veteran and you're on the other side and now, you know, you get to, and that's, that's what this is all about, right? You're now part of this, this, uh, five and five community, um, and for people to reach out to and talk to and, and work with, and, you know, to your point, right? Like then another reason why I started this, because to your, I, I missed, I missed being around people in the military, right? It's, it's, you know, everybody asked me, do you, do you miss playing football? And I said, well, I miss the games. I certainly don't miss yeah. practice or even mat <laughs> yeah. dr- or mat drills for that matter. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, don't even miss that a little bit. But I miss the games <laughs> and I miss the I miss the the ups and downs. You know, unfortunately, while we were at the academy, there's a few more downs than there was a few ups. More downs but than ups. Yep. but you know, some say that builds character. Um, and but <laughs> I, you know, and that and that's the point. And it's like, do you miss them? Do you miss the army? And it's like, I don't I don't miss the army but I miss the people and, and, you know, I, I miss that camaraderie and, and sitting there and, and showing up and as a team accomplishing a mission. So again, Chris, I am extremely thankful uh, for your transparency and just painting such a, a good picture of really, you know, the fact of the matter is, and you, you said it without saying it, this crucible that is separating from the military. This really is a crucible that's going to define the next stage of, you know, yours, our lives as veterans seeking to transition to the civilian world and treat it as such. It's a crucible. It's you're climbing. It's, it's your Mount Everest right now. It's that near target. That's tough. Um, and so I, I thank you so much, Chris, uh, for coming on. And for those of you out there listening, um, please go to five and Take that survey. I'd love to sit down and talk with you. Uh, Click subscribe. If you like what I'm saying, give me five stars. If you don't, still give me five stars. I'm just kidding. If you don't like what I'm saying, leave comments. Leave comments below of topics that you'd like to talk about. Um, that'd be greatly appreciated. Um, but yeah, just just remember, folks, that uh, again, this is this is a crucible. You're not at it alone, even if you think it alone and you want to go it alone. We're all here for you. We're building this community. At the end of the day, Chris said it, and, it, and while he was talking about it, it'll buff. Thanks for coming on.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the It'll Buff Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really enjoy having them. Here's the thing. If you liked that episode, please do a few things to help me out. One, go save this podcast, put it in your library. I'm going to be releasing one episode a week, every week, here on Forward. The next thing is go to fiveandfly.com and take the survey. It'd be really helpful for you to take the survey to help paint a picture of where each member that is separating from the military that's interested in this community is at. There's all kinds of questions, things that I've covered from previous episodes, so please go take the survey. Third, please go schedule one-on-one on the website. I'd love to talk to you and hear where you're at in your transition journey and help at least put you on the right azimuth and potentially work with you for the, for the future to come. Lastly, if you or somebody you know has a separation story that you would like this community to hear, please reach out to me so we can schedule that story and I'd love to have you on the podcast. Again, this is a community by you guys for the people that are coming behind us. The goal is to make each person that comes behind us as they separate from the army have a more successful path than we did. That's the goal. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed and remember, it'll buff.